Hey Cryptonauts, it's Jeff here. So just a few announcements before we get to our regular programming. First, a little preview for what's coming out soon. This week we'll be releasing a second episode in which Dang interviews Sam Kim of Lucidity. Lucidity is using blockchain to bring transparency to the advertising space, so they have a really interesting product idea. Next week you'll be seeing another doubleheader with uh, Align and I first interviewing Alex Lopatin. Alex is one of the founders of Blockchain Shift, which is a crypto conference happening in Miami next week starting October 11th. And we are actually going to be giving out some tickets on that episode. And these tickets cost $1,000 each, so uh, you'll be saving a crap ton of money if you are one of the lucky winners. And uh, I hope one of you listeners or a couple of you listeners are going because I would love to meet you in person because I'll be going as well. Uh, and finally next week, we'll be releasing an episode interviewing the Bitcoin Messiah himself, Patrick Byrne. So Patrick, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the CEO of the $2 billion company Overstock.com. And he also heads one of the first ever security token exchanges, T0. We have some really amazing conversation in this episode. And trust me, you, you do not want to miss this one. And I also want to talk about just briefly the state of the podcast. So I usually don't do this, mainly we try to stick to crypto, but I thought this would be interesting for uh, longtime fans of the podcast. So we started this podcast in February as a, as a labor of love and have been trying to keep what we've been doing as pure journalistically as possible. However, uh, the costs of the podcast are starting to become a lot to bear just on um, you know funding it ourselves. So we are now going to try to you know create a little bit of a revenue stream so that we can actually keep these keep these cool episodes and keep this cool content coming to you guys so what we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be starting a subscription service so essentially what that means is uh, this podcast is still going to remain free but for those of you who want to learn more and dig in more we actually cut out a lot of content from our episodes and for those of you who want to hear full episodes, full interviews from each of our guests, we will make that accessible to our subscription audience. And there'll be more details in uh, the coming week or two on how that's going to work. For now, just keep that in the back of your head. It, it really helps us. Uh, it's going to really help us stay afloat. And so I hope that we will get a lot of subscribers. And finally, I want to reach out to our audience to see if anyone is interested in helping us out with the podcast. If you know stuff about marketing, about social media, about building a business, graphic design, audio, video type stuff, either recording or um, editing, we could definitely use you. So if you have some time and some interest in cryptocurrency, we'd love to talk to you. Please send inquiries to team at abitcryptic.com. That's T-E-A-M at abitcryptic.com. So now we can finally get to today's episode. <sighs> Got through it. So I was given the opportunity to lead a two, not just one, but two panels at the Blockchain World Conference in Atlantic City a few months ago, and we're just now finally getting to releasing the audio. Unfortunately, the first panel wasn't recorded, but uh, we managed to get the second panel and this podcast is that panel. It's all about cryptocurrency regulation, unfortunate crypto tax laws that exist right now, security tokens, and more. And there's also an accompanying YouTube video for those of you who want to see what I look like who actually have never met me in real life. So I think this is a, you're going to really enjoy the content in this episode. Um, we've got some high quality speakers on the panel, 
and uh, the quality is obviously not amazing because it was recorded at a live panel but I think the quality of the content more than makes up for it so I really hope you guys enjoy and let's get to the episode welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Everything you've ever wanted to know and some things you probably didn't want to know about crypto regulations. We have a panel of experts here who have dealt with this on a regular basis, so... They will enlighten you all on all of the things crypto regulation related. My name is Jeff Peterson, so I'm going to let the, each of the panelists introduce themselves and talk a little bit about what they do and why they are the regulation experts, and then we're going to start diving deeper and deeper. All right, so my name is Brandon Elliott. I'm CEO of Javi, and we are delivering the first easy, truly easy way to buy, sell, and manage all major cryptocurrencies in a single secure application. My name is Chris Cole. I'm representing JMR Sun Academy as well as RLT Atwood. I'm in the space because prior to getting into cryptocurrency, I was a bond futures and equity options trader, um, having consulted on several ICOs and different things of that nature. You know, I've had to come across dealing with lawyers and SEC, you know, rigs as it pertains to taking into taking in money for new projects. My name is Canal, aka the Brown Brad Pitt. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dentist. But I am a cryptocurrency trader. I have my own hedge fund. I have some semblance of understanding of cryptocurrency regulation, but there are none at the moment. So you can kind of do what you want. But regulation is coming, and it's coming fast. And so we have to be prepared. So, yeah. I think we should take it out, actually. I think that's a good segue, Kunal. You mentioned there's no regulations. I mean, there are and there aren't, right? Like, obviously, it's not nothing. We're all we're all kind of doing something for a reason. Could you maybe just a couple of words, maybe summarize like where we're at? What's the landscape look like uh, regulation-wise? At least here in the U.S., let's start there, and we can talk about other places. But uh, since we're based out of the U.S. in this conference, give us a view of what the landscape looks like. Um, I think the landscape is uh, somewhat complex because. I think the SEC doesn't really understand the space, just like most of us who are in the space, we don't really understand the space. However, my take and my view on it is to really put something in place that resembles something traditional that the SEC and those guys would do. So when the SEC comes in, CFTC comes in and say, hey, this is how uh, we're going to regulate this space, you know, those guys, they don't reinvent the wheel. So, you know, trying to put our best foot forward to really lay that framework and foundation and say, hey, these guys are about doing it the right way and everybody else in the industry needs to copy them. So at the moment, you know, with the U.S. government, they don't even know yet really which governing body is supposed to potentially regulate cryptocurrency, right? Is it SEC, CTFC, is it FINRA, is it the FBI, is it CIA? It's all really up in air. But everybody thinks that they might possibly need to get their hands on it. So people are preparing or posturing or putting out statements, but there hasn't been anything concrete. You know, if you look at, did anybody see the judicial proceedings or whatever when Mark Zuckerberg went in front of Congress and he was trying to explain Facebook, which is pretty fucking simple, to a bunch of 70-year-old congressmen. 
and they're asking him the craziest questions and he's like, sir, Facebook is a place where you upload pictures of your baby, right? It was like the most simplest answers and they could not wrap their head around it and it's fucking Facebook, right? Which all our mothers use. So how hard could it be, right? And so now imagine taking Bitcoin or decentralization or cryptocurrency and explaining it to those same 70 year old congressmen. It's way over their heads. And so we're going to have probably a lot of back and forth trying to figure out what, until somebody just takes charge and wants to do it. But the regulation is coming because big money wants to get in, but they can't. Because if you have hundreds of millions of dollars or even tens of millions of dollars, you can't put it to use without really a, a backstop. Understanding what the framework is of if something goes wrong, the custody of your assets, uh, recourse, right? All these different things that like a, a broker or a real fund manager would do, right? When you give somebody money, there's essentially a contract between you guys in a way. And we need that for cryptocurrency, but nobody knows how to do that. But So you're seeing all this news right now, like uh, this guy's opening hedge fund, uh, Adam Horowitz will be a hedge fund, this guy's opening hedge fund, 300 million, 400 million, 500 million. Well, you're not seeing any of that money come to market. This fucking market goes down every day. Every damn day it goes down, right? So that money's not in. So all that money's on the sideline. That money will come in the minute the regulations are announced and they have their backstop, right? Because now it's just like the stock market or whatever other market they're fucking rigging. So they need that regulation, but that gives them the backstop. And the thing is, it's just a smart move. You can't put a billion, if you're a billionaire, you're not gonna put a billion dollars of your money into something that you don't know if it's gonna be there the next day. That's what's happening right now. In cryptocurrency, custody of assets is very, it's tricky, the chain of command of everything. Is the money secure? Do you keep it in exchange? Do you think a billionaire is gonna to wanna to put all his money in a USB drive? What if his daughter spills a coffee on him? Right, these are the things that people think about. So the regulation will come because rich people do wanna get into crypto. My guess is if you're looking at the way the market has been slowly bleeding, this is basically just a forced selling, slow bleed of the markets. At some point, the market will get low enough where they can have all the fun that we had in 2017 so that they can show good returns. And you'll couple it with regulations so they can put real money to work. They can have margin, all the things that they need for professional trading. And that'll probably come in the next six, 12 months or whatever. But this is a slow bleed. If you look at it, it's just forced selling, liquidations, margin selling all this stuff and it could go on for a while but when it gets low they're going to come in and it'll usually it'll be timed with oh by the way this is all regulated now and you can put billions of dollars to work you know and when we see it that'll be the bottom yeah it was uh, mark novogratz the uh billionaire fund manager who said the herd is coming as soon as we have more uh was it institutional facing exchanges and uh, better concierge services and services that these finance institutions and regulations that these finance institu institutions want to see, we're going to see a lot of money coming in. So I have a question for the audience before we dive too deep. I want to pull you guys on what your knowledge level is. Who here knows what a utility token is versus a security token? Half of you? Probably explain that, I guess, because that, that's kind of important. Who wants to uh, take that one? Alright, so for the other half, uh, utility token just means that it actually serves a real purpose 
and a lot of the early ICOs, they claimed that it was going to serve a purpose, and usually it was uh, transactional. But uh, they were just really raising money because no one wanted to use their tokens for what it was designed for, or supposedly designed for. So then that's when the SEC started taking note and said, oh, well, you're just really trying to raise money. It's a thinly veiled uh, scheme. So, you know, that has to be regulated. That's when they all come in. But I think it kind of crosses, you know, cryptocurrency can cross multiple areas. That's why the CFTC says it's a commodity. The SEC says it's a security. You know, everybody wants to regulate it. But then on the security side of things, if you are raising money, pretty much they just came out and said at the uh, Georgia State University uh, speaks where they where they had the, uh, the SEC down there. They pretty much just said, you know, if even if it is a utility token, if you are using it to raise funding, it is also a security. So it really does not matter if you can justify the utility or not. So entrepreneurs be warned. It's a security according to uh, a lot of people. Although uh, I was having an interesting conversation with one of the podcast guests who's a lawyer. Ethereum used to be called a security and the SEC is now saying that it's a utility. Do you guys have any thoughts on like how that transformation process seemed to happen with some coins and <laughs> good lobbyists apparently? So I guess that's the other answer. Get get a lot of money, raise enough money that you can lobby so that your coin is officially a, a utility forever. <laughs> you know, this space is very much like uh, full of a lot of uh, libertarians who who don't want government intervention and the classic maybe early Bitcoin enthusiasts might say. We should regulate ourselves. What do you guys think about that? Is that realistic? Is that something that uh, we should just only be regulating ourselves? Um, should the government come in? What, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, so in general, crypto guys are, are libertarians, it seems like. You just can't have anything in at least this country or Western world or now even Eastern world. If there's big money behind it, you can't have it unregulated essentially in some manner because somebody's always going to try to get their hands on them and there's no difference between a personal cabal of billionaires that are not regulated controlling a market versus a government that might put regulations on it anyways right so in 2012 2013 2014 when nobody knows about cryptocurrencies even though it's not regulated there were people still in control of the market so what difference does it really make right smart regulation is different than when we think of regulation we think of like cumbersome laws that bear us down but in a lot of cases in the u.s in the world and a lot of different industries and spaces there's also good regulations right regulations that protect consumers uh, buyers investors so regulation doesn't have to be a bad thing when we think of regulation we just think of regulation because of healthcare. Right? Everybody's healthcare is through the fucking roof, and we're all paying through the nose. So when we think of regulation, we think like, uh, like healthcare costs, Obamacare, this, that. Or you're thinking of right, like environmental regulation. So you're only thinking about the real cumbersome stuff. Whereas there are pieces of regulation in all our lives that do allow us a better life. You know, whether it could be controlling energy costs or whatever it might be, there's always some type of regulation that's okay. And, uh, you know, in cryptocurrency, it might not be, you know, a smart person, I think, would do almost make a, like a global body, right? Because it's a global currency, a global initiative, you know, like a NATO or a, you know, United Nations that maybe, you know, writes the regulations or consults with people. But in the end, probably how it's going to work down is 
the U.S. will make a rash decision at some point, and then the rest of the world usually follows the U.S., and we have what we have. I think that's a really good point, and I think just to take that a little step further is that it's, it's not regulation that is the problem, it's over-regulation. It's when they overreach. So I won't publicly name the exchange. Uh, one of the exchanges actually locked my account and confiscated my funds, and it was quite substantial funds, and I had to fight to get them back because I could not answer where the money came from that I started my consulting firm in 1998. They just asked me this last year, and I was like, I don't keep records for 20 years. I don't know many people who do. There was no debate about it being ethical or unethical. They just shut down my accounts. That's overreach. So, you know, and they wouldn't even argue about it. So I think I think we need a balance. You need some regulation, but not overreach. And in my opinion, I think, uh, you know, you know, regulation is a good thing, but it doesn't necessarily have, necessarily have to be in the most traditional manner. I think for the most part, uh, when we take a look at ICOs, ICOs probably has given the space the, the worst rap of them all uh, because a lot of people are investing in, in ICOs because they had this idea of I want to get rich quick overnight. They seen the type of money that was being made from 2016 to 2017. Unfortunately, we just haven't seen that. We've seen people lose millions of dollars, uh, tens of thousands of dollars, even hundreds um, of, of dollars for uh, people who couldn't necessarily afford to lose those funds. So me personally, I would like to see the space come up with a um, internal regulatory committee, not necessarily getting the government involved or um, your traditional clearinghouses or banks or different things of that nature. But as smart as everybody is in the crypto space at this point, you know, to come up with an internal regulation body or a vetting process for ICOs. Crypto is all about transparency. In the ICO space, there's no transparency there um, at all. They raise all of these millions of dollars for these uh, pie-in-the-sky ideas uh, with no type of explanation of what we're using the money for, how it's being used, or even any deadlines as far as, uh, you know, project completion outside of, you know, half-ass roadmaps we see in 95% of the white papers. Yeah, I've seen a number of initiatives of attempts at self-regulation. There's a lot of adoption that needs to happen. Like, um, a friend of mine uh, is creating something called Project Transparency, where they're tr essentially trying to vet individual ICOs and, and make sure that they actually are doing what they say they're doing. And another company, I'm, I'm yeah, right? It's, it's cool, but it's small. Like I, There's only like you know 20 ICOs on there. And then another project that I'm advising um, called Trustroot, they're verifying individual projects as well with like a, a web app and making sure that their token wallet and everything is secure. There are projects out there, but I, you know there's, a, there's this adoption problem that we see. The unfortunate thing about a decentralized system like we have with cryptocurrencies, it lacks organization on certain things. So I want to maybe go to practicals now because we have a lot of entrepreneurs in the audience and a lot of people who do have questions about what they're doing with their projects. So uh, what advice would you give to, to entrepreneurs in the crypto space about how to, maybe they're doing an ICO or they're doing something crypto related, how to approach regulations and do so in a way that you know, their project remains safe and they protect their customers but still do it in a way that is efficient and not cumbersome. The first thing I would say is that you should really look at uh, the, the whole debate about security versus utility if you're even going to consider doing an ICO. And I think 
at least for me, we have a patent pending. Javi has a patent pending for the use of our token inside of our cryptocurrency wallet, the decentralized exchange. And so that patent pending, I felt like, was a really strong argument that it's a utility and we're going to have a transactional. There's, there's several uses to make it a utility. But then after the SEC started kind of hinting at where it's going, it was like, okay, it really doesn't matter if it qualifies as a utility. I would say best advice is to talk to a legal advisor or a lawyer and, and probably just go ahead and do what's necessary to abide by the securities laws. So, you know, to kind of piggyback off that, I, I somewhat agree uh, with most of what's been said. When we talk about the SEC and the regulatory bodies, you don't see those guys come in historically and reinvent the wheel. So, you know, some of the steps that I've taken there to raise money and build funds and consult on different projects have just been has just been to look at, um, you know, how we went about raising money in the past. You know, it, because nobody knows, you know, what's going on. When I first, uh, I worked with a law firm, well, I don't work for them, but a law firm that I use down in West Palm Beach on all of my projects, they're security lawyers. And the, uh, the head guy, he's been in security since 1973. And, you know, the first time I had a conversation with him, it was the first conversation of, you know, 14 more conversations that I had to have with him to try to understand, for him to try to understand cryptocurrency, the nuances, and whether it was a security or utility, um, you know, is it a reg A, reg B, or whatever the case might be. So even the guys that's been in the game for a long time from a regulatory standpoint, like, they don't have an idea. So they kind of put forth some, uh, you know, best practices as far as how you would go about approaching investors in a more traditional manner, I think is just the right way to go about doing it. Yeah, I think probably always the best thing is to over-prepare, right? So whatever the worst is that you think could happen, that's where you got to probably, that's your starting point, and everything else is a surprise. For me personally, I mean, just knowing utility tokens, security tokens, there's no such thing as a utility token. I mean, in reality, there's four tokens in the world that are really getting utilized on a daily basis. And then uh, securities tokens will probably be the future of everything. Tokenizing assets, hard assets, football teams, bridges, roads, tolls, whatever. That's probably going to be where a lot of this stuff goes because uh, there's only a handful. Of, I mean, there's no utility in a lot of utility tokens right now, right? So what's the point? You know, we're all trying to plan for like, oh my gosh, like, is it a utility, not a utility? You know, my thinking is just, everything is a security because I'm not buying a utility token to use it on Javi's network or whatever. If I buy Javi token, I'm doing it to make some damn money, right? So it's investment purposes for price appreciation. But like anybody ever do uh, invest big money in a ICO and you get your SAFT notice or whatever, it says not for investment purposes. It's like, well, what the fuck did I just give you $150,000 for, right? <laughs> oh, to play games? <laughs> I gotta go on your website and play some games? <laughs> like, is that what's going on, some Chuck E. Cheese? No, right, we're doing it to make money. So my thinking long-term is probably plan for the wave of security tokens to start coming in at some point. And it may happen soon, it may happen later, but uh, that's just an educated guess, but that's how I'm planning for it, is think about the worst, and then plan around it. So in the end, look, if all these tokens are just utility tokens and that the becomes US the thing, then you know, we're in good shape. But if you're planning it being securities tokens or labeling securities, more regulations, whatever, then at least you plan for it.
I would agree with everything you said there, except that uh, when you um, you'll eventually be using the Chavi wallet, and then you're going to be buying and selling securities through it, and then you're going to um, actually use the tokens for something. You guys remind me of a lot of uh, interesting projects out there. Uh, how you know there's not really uh, you know I can't really trade security tokens right now, but there's a ton of exchanges coming out. Like Zeroax is probably the most uh, famous. All these, there's all these exchanges which are going to allow you to trade security tokens. So right now it's not uh, investment isn't really going anywhere, but soon it's going to be. A lot of people think it's going to be the next wave, and then all these projects are going to essentially. Yeah, Bancor, and don't forget about T Zero. <laughs> and, and there's a couple ones on my podcast too, actually. Though. They didn't pay me, so I'm like, I show them. Always up for yeah, good shit. So, what about from the, the investor side? So, all these regulations are coming. What implications does that have for both, like, say, the average investor who's maybe putting in a few thousand dollars, and then maybe for the whales and the institutions? What are what are the implications of these regulations that are coming? Main implications going to be that you're going to have to pay your damn taxes. It's, you know, in the end, that's probably what it's coming down to. That's why regulation comes. In the end, that's what it's going to come down to. I know a lot of people that haven't paid taxes in a long time on their cryptocurrency, but in the U.S., at some point, an IRS agent will show up at your door. You may think you're using an anonymous coin, a privacy coin. The U.S. government, they got ears on everything. Right? I mean, the intelligence of everything. You make a phone call, you say the wrong word, somebody knows about it. So what, you think you said because you use a privacy point that nobody can really, nobody's tracking that thing? The regulations means taxes. Start paying your taxes now. That's the best thing I can probably tell you guys. Because I've had a couple audits before. I mean, I'd rather, you know, finger bang my cat than go for an audit. Like, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with him. I think uh, the, the tax implications are going to be the biggest, biggest thing that needs to be be addressed. And you know, the sooner you start on those things, the better. Because I can kind of foresee the government coming in from a taxation standpoint and really taking back everything that you've earned in the last two or three years via crypto, uh, because you have went about handling your taxes in a proper way. The interesting part would be too is that you'll owe taxes, but then you'll have all these losses from 2018. So like your funds will be gone, but you'll owe all these taxes. I've seen that happen to quite a few people where they're like, they made a bunch of money in 2017, they're gonna have a huge tax bill. But then like they sold their stuff, bought new stuff, old coins or whatever in 2018, and they're all down 80, 90%. So their capital's gone. So when they get the tax bill, there's no money. There's not going to be any money there. So you're going to be in a whole heap of travel. So prepay that stuff. Start paying it now. All right. So I guess they're they're closing out this space. So we're going to have to wrap up the panel. I did, I did want to have some questions, but I, I guess we don't have time anymore. So I want to thank the panelists for coming up here and speaking today. We learned a lot from you guys. It's awesome. So first, before everyone breaks up, we have our little BitBose giveaway. BitBose! <laughs> The person who can answer this question is gonna get $500 worth of BitBose. So first one to shoot up your hand, I'm gonna call on you, okay? <laughs> so what was his nickname that he gave himself? Excellent. All right. Brown Brad Pitt. Brown Brad Pitt, yeah! Woo!
there should be no question in your mind. We'll talk after. We'll talk how you get the you get your five hundred dollars. And for the rest of you, they're doing an airdrop. You can get fifty of their coins, which is about twelve dollars fifty cents if you sign up with your email. So uh, just very quickly, uh, where can people find out more about what each of you are doing? So the Javi wallet with decentralized exchange, we're on the web at javi.com, that's J-A-V-V-Y.com. All of my projects and associations, you can pretty much find on my Instagram, it's Chris Cole, I-N-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-O-L-E-I-A-M. You'll see me on uh, bullsonwallstreet.com, bulls on crypto street, or my two main businesses. Or uh, Canal Zero, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. There's no brown bad bitch.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom is trying to tell me to be humble. <laughs> <laughs> She's not here right now. <laughs> and if you want to listen to more in depth interviews like this, uh, I have a podcast again for those of you who came late called A Bit Cryptic Podcast. A space bit space cryptic. Uh, you can find it on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, basically everything. Look me up. Or if you want to get interviewed, um, you can send me an email at a big cryptic podcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening to a Bit Cryptic Podcast. A Bit Cryptic Podcast is hosted by Alain Leon, Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor in chief, Dang Du. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep it cryptic.